first and foremost, Ricky, thank you for your sacrifice. I know you just got out of work. You went by, got some food, and came over here. Um, I think that's one of the things that has been often forgotten about in the modern church is sacrifice. Because we've heard a lot of things um, preached about you need to rest, be considerate. And while all, all of those things are true, when you read scripture, you do realize that the life of a Christian is a sacrifice. The Bible also tells us to be a living sacrifice. Now, that's not to be manipulated and taken out of context. That's, you know, talking about our desires, our character, all of that stuff. But in reality, I think a good question to ask ourselves is, what am I sacrificing um, in my life so that I can serve people better or even God better, you know? Now, the fact that you guys are here 99% of the time on Mondays... Um, with a good heart, with a good attitude, and wanting to learn and grow and, and pursue everything that God has for you guys in this season, I think that says a lot. I was reading something today, and it struck me, and it said, find, find what your passion is. And once you find what your passion is, obviously I'm putting my own spin on it because it makes sense. It, the, the, the thing that I was reading, it was a guy that was talking about, you know, purpose in life, et cetera, et cetera. He said, find what your passion is. Because when you find where your passion is, you'll find what your purpose is. When you find what your purpose is, then you'll find your calling. And I was like, eh. But then I started to think about it, and it makes sense. When you find what you're passionate about, then you, what for other people seems like work doesn't seem like work. Because you get to enjoy what other people consider work. You get to enjoy, for example, for Ediberto. Uh, for Ricky, for you guys that like music, Isbeli loves surfing, Jacob loves surfing, Daniel likes wearing that long coat. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel like work, but you love to serve. And because you're passionate about it, you don't limit yourself and you don't see a, man, you know what, I've spent too much time at church. You don't see that you've overdone it, you know. Uh, Eriberto might get here early because he wants to practice the guitar, wants to work on his tone. Then he's here for rehearsals and he's here for Sunday, uh, both services and then Monday and then Wednesday. And then there's Grupo Familiar. It doesn't feel like work because he's passionate about it. And so in that pursuit, in that journey, when you're enjoying serving God with what you're passionate about, you will discover your purpose and you find out that your purpose is to worship God. We were created to worship God. But in that pursuit and in that, when you start discovering what your purpose is, God will begin to shed on your life what he called you to do. And that's what I want to talk about today is, is the calling of God over people's lives. Because while many of you may not be in full-time ministry, um, the things that you learn when you are leading small groups, working with people, are valuable lessons and principles that you will carry out for the rest of your life. And this also applies to worship because you see a lot of bands, secular bands and artists, the foundation for what they do now was learned in church. They learned to play the piano in the church. They learned to sing in the church. And that's what they do to this day. So the church gives birth to so many people with talents, 
The problem that happens a lot of times, um, the majority of times I would say is, by, unfortunately, uh, just naturally human beings are not grateful. We're not grateful to God. There's no gratitude in, in our hearts because the place and the people that give us the opportunity to learn, to develop, to mess up, to keep going, that gives us those first steps and opportunities to develop our talent or our calling. Many times when people are, they reach a level, they forget about the first steps. And the, and the Bible says, despise not the days of small beginnings. Well, they, yes, that applies to where don't talk down on yourself because you're just learning or you're just starting out at small. It also applies to don't forget and don't despise the days where you did not know what you know now when you weren't as good in this particular area as you are now. Because serving in church, you're going to learn principles that are going to carry. Um, they're going to stay with you the rest of your life. Whether you're going to be a doctor, whether you're going to be an entrepreneur, whether you're going to be a manager, or whether you're going to work at a gas station, or whether you're going to go, I know a guy that worked at Brahms for years, and now he's like the regional manager of Brahms. It's the only job he's ever had since he was in high school, and he's very, very good at it. So does God have different callings and, and purposes for other people? Yes, absolutely, because not everybody can just do one thing. So um, I, I want to get to this. And it's important that we understand in your particular life that God did not call you to be a copycat of somebody else. So while, you know, as we as we grow, for example, in, in my life, I remember seeing preachers, uh, traveling musicians, worship leaders, and I loved all the aspects of that. And for so long, I tried to be like this preacher. I tried to be like this worship leader. I try to play like this musician. I try to conduct myself like this person. But God doesn't make duplicates for, for a reason. Because God gives every person something special and unique. And so while my strengths may not be Daniel's strengths and his strengths may not be my strengths, guess what? It's okay. Because every person has something unique. If I were to copycat some other preacher or somebody else that I see or that I listen to all the time, then I would miss out on that particular special essence that God has given me. To make it more spiritual, that special anointing that only one person can do. Because there are things that only you can do in this life and nobody else. Now, if you run away from God's calling, God's going to call somebody else and you'll lose that calling. Um, but you don't want to be a copycat. There's a guy that I follow on social media that has a copycat. You hear you hear this guy, guy A speak, and then you hear guy B speak. And it's like, dude, they are the same exact. But you know which one's the original one and which one's not, because when you listen to the original one, there's something weighty about him. And you listen to the other guy and it's like something's missing. I don't know. Are you really like that? Is that really your personality? So you don't want to be a copycat. Because God calls you according to what he already deposited in you. However, this is very important. When God calls a person, many times that calling or talent or whatever you think you may need still isn't developed in their lives. 
Are the people online, can you guys hear me or no? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so it might just have to be developed. So number one, you have to understand that it is God who calls a person to fulfill a mission on earth. It's not man. It's not the church. While the church may say, hey, you should think about it because they see certain characteristics um, that you yourself don't see, then that might be something to pray about. Maybe you don't even know you have a calling, but other people see it. You know, um, I've talked to so many people that say, hey, man, why do they tell me that? Hey, man, I'm like, do you not see it? Uh, no, you know, because they, they don't see it. But it, it's easier for other people to see it than, than ourselves. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, it says, He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. So if God calls a person, he's going to fulfill that calling in them. Because it's God's responsibility, because he's the one that called you, or called me. Romans eight twenty eight says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose... Nobody ever quotes that second part of the verse. It's always, well, you know, uh, the Bible does say, and we know that all things work together for the good. All people who love God. Yes, according to their purpose. So everybody's purpose here is different. Everybody's calling is different. So everything that we go through is going to be different. Just because it was that way for me doesn't mean that it's the same thing for Daniel. I can... I can give my advice as to how it worked out for me, but one thing's for sure. The underlying calling for every son and daughter of God is to preach the gospel. So God will always seek to use circumstances in our lives to tell people about Jesus and to get us closer to God. That's one thing that's going to be true in everybody's life. Right? So... Because maybe I struggle with something that Daniel doesn't struggle with. Then maybe God's going to allow me to go through a process because it's according to my purpose. Because it's according to the weakness in my character. Make sense? So you can have a desire in ministry. You can be in ministry all you want. But unless God calls you to it, then you don't want to force yourself into ministry. Now, God will open doors in due time because the Bible does say, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So it's OK to have that desire, but you don't force yourself. For example, I know pastors that have called their own selves to be pastors. And guess what? The church always stays small. There's always problems. Nobody gets saved. And all they create is a small group of religious people because most religious people call themselves because they believe that they're right and the pastor's wrong. Number one, any person who says, you know what, pastor's wrong, the leadership's wrong, this is the way it's supposed to be because the Bible says this and because whatever now, this is within context, obviously, what I'm sharing. Those people, what ends up happening is they take the attitude of leaving and taking people with them because what ends up happening is that attitude is based out of rebellion. And the Bible says rebellion is the same as witchcraft. So, there are two things I want you to see here. Number one, where did rebellion happen in the Bible the first time it happened? Heaven. Now, 
the person who rebelled, did he leave heaven by himself? No. no. That's how you know that somebody's in rebellion. Because they never leave by themselves. They always take other people with them. Now, if I'm married and God called me to another ministry, to another church, to another country, then obviously my family's going to go with me. Because I'm the head of the household. And God's going to call the head of the household. But if there is, back to my example, there's some brother, hermana, saying, you know what? Oh, man, women shouldn't be wearing pants and they shouldn't be wearing makeup. You know what? The Bible says this and you got to stay with, you know, sound doctrine. And they talk about, and it's usually how people dress. They shouldn't be dyeing their hair. They shouldn't be wearing earrings, blah, 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 blah. Um, what ends up happening is a rebellious heart will always try to convince somebody else that they're wrong. I'm right. Then the second step to that is always, you know what, I'm going to start my own church. And that's where a lot of people call themselves. They call themselves to be pastors or to start churches in rebellion. They don't have God's blessing. God is not responsible to bless them because they left in rebellion. So God doesn't bless rebellion. God doesn't bless a rebellious spirit. So when God calls a person, God calls them in a moment, not of rebellion, but in a moment of submission. Because you can never be in authority unless you have first learned to be under authority. So how could I teach you guys and say, hey, um, let me teach you guys about authority. But I've never been under authority. I can try to manipulate and say, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it should be. But if I've never been under authority, what can I teach you guys? It's like me going to the gym. Again, the same example. And trying to teach some guy that's fit. Like, hey, man, that's not how you should, that's not how you should lift. Hey, this is the stuff you should eat. But I've never been there, so what can, I, what can I say? Does that make sense? So always remember it's God that calls a person. We don't call ourselves. Number two, God never called anyone who wasn't already working. God never called anybody who wasn't already working. Moses... Where was he at when God called him? What was he doing? He was working. He was with the sheep. David, what was he doing? He was with the sheep. He was tending the sheep. Paul, what was he doing? Killing people. That was a job. He was killing Christians. So he was persecuting Christians. He was doing something. It was wrong, but he was doing it. He wasn't at home saying, oh, you know, I just wish these dang Christians. No, he was, he was doing something about it. And I think that's really what God saw. You know, this man is about that life. He doesn't like something. He's going to go do something about it. Let me change this man. Right. <laughs> Peter and Andrew, what were they doing? They were fishing. Now, they weren't fishing like the way we fish now. Like, yeah, I ain't got nothing to do, man. Let's go. Uh, it's just a Saturday morning. Let's go out and fish. No, they were fishing because that was their business. They were working. So when people say. I have a calling to the nations. Uh, I have a hard time believing those people because if they don't do anything now, number one, I have a hard time believing that God called them to the nations. Number two, I have a hard time believing that they're ever going to walk in that calling. Because, again, most religious people believe that when God calls them, it's to out there. It's to go out there and preach and do all these things. no. God calls people that start from the bottom. I remember it was my 18th birthday. The youth, they went to a night of worship in Dallas. It was Marco Arrietos, I think. 
I think it was like a recording or something of Marco Argentos. But I, I spent from 8 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night here at church cleaning up cables, running cables, because we had just bought the building. And this was a Saturday night, and we needed everything to run for uh, Sunday morning. Nobody else could do it. So I, in that time, yeah, we had internet, but it wasn't like we know now. So I was connecting stuff. Can't hear anything. Okay, let's try this one. Can't hear anything. Okay, uh, let's try this one. Can't hear anything. I had no idea what I was doing because we were trying to go off the system they already had here. But that system was halfway jacked up. So I spent all day here. And then after that, I spent years serving my pastor, which is my dad, and then my dad's mentor, which was my pastor in Dallas. I spent years serving under him. I was never looking for a stage. I'll tell you guys this, and this is very important. I just remembered this. When I went to that church, they found out that I led worship. I never told them I led worship. I never told them I was a musician. They found out because of how I would talk and, and you know, we started hanging out and I built these relationships. And then they're like, dude, you lead worship, you should lead. So then the pastor's nephew had me down on the schedule to lead. Well, guess what? He talked to the pastor and the pastor said, no, he's too new. And he said it in front of me. He said, I think you're too new. Um, I think you should wait some time. I'm like, all right, cool. That's fine. I didn't get upset. I didn't say, man, you know what, man, if you could just hear me, man, I'd bring the house down. I didn't get upset. I was like, all right, cool. I kept serving with the same heart and with the same attitude to the point. Do y'all want to know something? I never led worship at that church because it wasn't my focus to be on stage. I served in every single area off stage. I, I said, you know what? I think the kids probably need some help. I can help with something. Um, I ended up organizing my first youth camp. I ended up doing a whole bunch of things. But you start from the bottom. And as you're working, that's where God works on your character, works on your desire to be with people. And that's where God humbles you. And then you're ready to, to, to pursue everything else. So you got to understand, God doesn't anoint lazy people. God doesn't anoint lazy, I guess, lazy habits. Can you even say that? Unproductive habits. He doesn't anoint that. Pastor, when he was called, he had a full-time job. And on top of that, um, then when he became the pastor, he was still pastoring, doing everything as if he were a full-time pastor. But he still kept his full-time job. He never stopped working until God said, it's time to stop working. And he said, no, 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 no. Because we hadn't seen that around here in this area for a Hispanic pastor that go full-time in the ministry. And then when he finally did, I mean, it was like he put that into fifth gear and just took off. And so nobody will outserve pastor or pastora. Unfortunately, in the church, we see that people that are on stage are the ones that actually serve, and that's not true. There are people off stage that serve 10 times more than people who are on stage. Because there's a lot more to do off stage than there is on stage. Now, on stage, it's great to be there. Yeah, it's great to be there. I've been there for years. But nothing will change the conversations. Nothing beats the conversations and testimonies you hear off stage with people because you're amongst the people. So in that moment when you're working, you learn to know the needs of the people. That's where you start to see, man, you know what? Um, somebody's needed to go out to the, to the school to, to preach. You know what? 
I've been amongst the people. There's a need here. There's a need there. Because you already have that passion for people, you start doing that. You start walking in your purpose, and then God puts you in your calling. And that's how it works. So, number three. The callings of God are specific. I got to go a little faster. Moses, Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, um, yeah, that he turned aside to see, God called him, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So what did he call him to do? To do something specific, to bring the people out of Egypt, Israel out of Egypt. He didn't say, hey, on the way, you know, become an influencer, get all the money you can, become famous. No, you have one calling and one calling only. Get my people out of Egypt. Notice that God didn't say, this is how you're going to do it. You know, I'm going to provide the finances. I'm gonna, no, he just said, this is what I called you to do. Because God's not a stupid God. God's not dumb. He's not ignorant that we need finances, that, he, that he, Moses needed somebody to help. He wasn't ignorant to that fact. He was going to put everything in order. The only thing that God's looking for is for somebody to be obedient. When um, the Lord told the prophet, speak to these bones, the supernatural miracle of the bones coming together and flesh coming on those bones and then it became an army, that's what everybody always focuses on. But if he would have never been obedient to the voice of God, then the supernatural would have never happened. Oh, the supernatural starts off with obedience. When you decide to say yes to God, that's when it starts. So don't let your heart and your emotions go crazy when you see the supernatural stuff. See the obedience. Because nobody can do the obedient. Not a lot of people can, can, can be obedient to the voice of God. People know what they have to do, but they refuse to do it. And that's why you don't see a supernatural move of God in many people's lives. Second example in Scripture, we see Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, 3. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down on the temple. And the Lord said, um, at the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. And you can keep reading and you see the whole interaction. Called him again. Then he went to, to, the, to, to the priest. And then finally... He um, responded to the calling of God. Paul, Acts chapter 9. Um, you can read that. He's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So what was the calling of Paul? To go into the Gentiles. To go to the Gentiles and spread the gospel. Here's a question. Um, and I think I can go fast. Yes. Um, why did God call Paul? And not Peter to go to the Gentiles. Paul went to the Jews. But Peter went to the Jews. Paul went to the Gentiles. Why? You want to know why? Huh? Because what? Paul was Roman. Half Roman. Paul was half Roman? And he had Roman citizenship. He did have Roman citizenship. In a practical way, yeah, that's true. This is what I see, and this is what you see throughout all of the New Testament. Peter fought and still had that kind of uh, mentality of, I'm a Jew and I'm better than you. Paul did not. 
it became a question of character. Because according to your character, according to the character that God's able to develop in you, it's also going to equate the kind of calling that God can trust you with. Paul went all over. Peter did some traveling too. But would you say that Peter's ministry was greater than Paul's? Not in, spirit, not in a spiritual sense. Um, like in a practical sense. Was it, was, was it greater? Yeah, I mean, he went all over the place. Paul also wrote uh, a great majority of the New Testament. And I think it had a lot to do with character. Peter, when he goes, I think... I think when he went to the house of, uh, was it Cornelius? Yeah, Cornelius. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. And Peter had so many excuses to go preach to them. Paul did not. Paul just went. Why? Because of character. So according to our character, that's how far we'll get in our callings. Um, Luke chapter 24 and verse 30. And this has to do, we'll talk a little bit about our, our characters here. Um, or our character. I don't know why I said characters, plural. Makes it sound like it's a cartoon. Luke 24, 30. This is the story of Jesus after he resurrected. He's on the way to, uh, in Spanish you say Emmaus. How do you say that in English? Emos, Emmaus, whatever. Anyways, he's on the way. They don't recognize Jesus. They invite him into the house. It's late. And then he, sit, he sits at the table. They say, eat with us. And then this is a scripture. And it says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. This is the process of a little bit of what I talked about last week. The first part is God calls. Jesus took the bread and blessed it. The calling upon your life may start in your heart, but inevitably God has to call you and bless that calling just like he did with the bread. The second step is God processes. The Bible says that after he blessed it, blessed the bread, he broke it. And this is where characters develop. This is where God breaks you. Now, contrary to modern Christianity and modern churches, well, God doesn't break a person. God, yes, he does. He has to. Otherwise, you become or we become egotistical ministers that think we're doing the will of God and we're far from it. God will break our will. God will break our ego. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a, a German, he said the following. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Now, I would prefer to be broken than die. But it's the same thing. In this, in, the, in, in this sense. What did Jesus say? And Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Why is that important? You deny yourself. You got to carry the cross. What happens on the cross? Crucify. You crucify your flesh. You crucify everything. And you follow Jesus. And so in this process is where God works with our hearts, it's where God works out unforgiveness, bitterness, um, conflicts that we may have with other people, immaturity, insecurity, depression, all of that stuff. God works it out. 
And many people take longer than others in this process because many more people are hard headed than others, you know, others more than others. But the sad part about this is that this is also where many people die, like where many people stay. They never leave. They never graduate from the school. They stay there and they say, you know what? I give up. This is where many people give up. Like, nah, it's too hard. I don't want this. And if you're not careful, um, you will abort the calling of God in this process, in this second step, when you give up. So you get to know the heart of God here. Mm, Psalm 103, 7 says he made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. Moses got to know the heart of God. Why? Because Moses was broken by God. He went to, through that process. He went through the desert. The people of Israel only got to know his acts because they weren't intimate with God. So number three, God sends you off. After he breaks you, he gives you to others so that you can fulfill your calling. The Bible says that after he broke the bread, he gave it, he passed it out. So after God is done working with you, he makes you available to the people, to the nations, to the world, to your community. He makes you available because now you're ready. And so this is where last week's teaching comes into play. Because there are people that have a calling from God, but they don't know the moment that they're, they're supposed to leave, that they're supposed to be sent off. If you leave before the appointed time that God wants you to leave, you abort your calling. You abort everything. For example, I was talking to Sergio and we talked about he's leaving to Germany. Oh, he got his ticket already. So, yeah, it's kind of weird, man. But he's he's leaving. So we talked about if this would have happened last year, he was like, yeah, nah, it, it wouldn't have happened. And then with my parents, we were talking about because there was years ago. We talked about him going to CFNI and all these other things. And we came to the conclusion that if he would have gone to CFNI back in those years, it would have been a waste of time. Why? Because with God, it's all about timing because our hearts are not always ready. Our hearts have to be developed. For example, there's people here that have given you a that you've received a word from God that you have a calling or something special, or whatever it is that you may be, whatever God has for you. It's about timing, because God has to develop that in you. I think, I don't know if I was telling you guys, I was telling somebody, that if God would have told me when he called me, if God would have told me every specific detail of what I'm living now, I would have been like, yeah, nah, I'm good, find somebody else. Because at that age, there's no way that I would have believed that I would have had the maturity to support the pressures of what would come in this ministry. But he didn't tell me. He just said, hey, serve me. Yes or no? Uh, yeah, let's do it. OK, great. And then you start finding out, oh, man, this is a lot more than just preach the gospel. It's a lot more than that. It's a it's it's a constant breaking of your spirit. It's a constant breaking of your heart. It's a constant crying in the presence of God. It, but there's victory as well, but it's a constant working of your character. And so if I would have known that, I probably would be like, yeah, no, nah, I'm straight. I'd keep my nine to five, man. I can relax. I can Netflix. I can, you know, do whatever I want on the weekends. 
But guess what? Now, every day, there's something going on in ministry. Every day. But that's what God called us to do. Amen? So finally, God sends you off. He sends you off. That's number three. And you got to remember that when he sends you off, he calls you for something specific. Didn't call you to, well, let's just see where this goes. Well, you know, I'm just hoping. And the calling of God is, is not to be looked at as a job. Okay? And, and I want to say that because... Um, in the United States, unfortunately, that model's carried across all over the world. Now it's a job. Oh, we need a youth pastor. Let's put up a posting and we're going to pay you such and such an hour and you get this much salary. Oh, we need a worship leader. Oh, we need a musician. We're going to pay you this much an hour. It becomes a job now. It's no longer a calling. Just because you have a talent for something doesn't mean it's your calling. In other words, don't confuse your talent with your calling. Don't confuse your calling with your talent. I have many talents. I can make videos. I can do graphic design. I can play drums. I can play piano. I can play bass. I can play guitar. Uh, in a church that knows nothing about singing, I can probably lead worship, right? It would be terrible. But I can do a lot of things. I can run audio. Those are talents. That's not my calling. As much as you might love your talent, if God did not call you to that, you're going to be a miserable person the rest of your life. Because you ever put on a shoe that doesn't fit? It's too tight? Yeah. yeah, it's uncomfortable. What does it do? What does it do to your foot? It hurts. It hurts. It produces pain. You have blisters. You can't walk straight. Everybody knows, man, something's up, man. What's wrong? I just, I just this shoe, it's two sizes too small, but you know. Who cares, man? It's, it's all about the looks, the fashion. Okay. No. That's the same thing. When you confuse your talent for your calling, people know. People can recognize, uh, this guy was called for something greater. This woman, she was called for something else. What is she doing here? What are they doing here? So don't confuse that. Amen? Amen. So um, this actually should have been the first part. Last week was the second part, but whatever backwards. It's okay. Anybody have any questions? Nothing. What about you guys online? Y'all have any questions? No, sir. Okay. In the beginning you said when you find your passion about something, it won't feel like a job. Find your passion and then that's your calling. And then you're saying don't use your talent as a calling. It's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Because find something that you're passionate about. As you find that, it won't feel like a job or anything. You'll start to walk in your purpose. As you start to walk and discover your purpose, you find your calling. Best example I can give you is myself. I learned to play drums. Well, guess what? I was passionate about that. I would ask my parents to drop me off at church. I would clean that drum set. I would clean the cymbals. I would try to find other ways. How can I rearrange this drum set? I, I, it was always clean. My drum set was always clean. I vacuumed. I had, I had rags that I would dust it off. It, everybody knew that, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's him because he cleans it. I was passionate about that. And then guess what? Then I learned to play bass. Well, guess what? My bass always had new strings because I, I wanted a good sound. Then I learned to play acoustic guitar. Well, okay, I went to Mexico. My parents bought me a, a classical guitar, and then I learned to play. 
and then it, uh, piano. And then with piano, I was like, you know what? I can learn other sounds. Wow, this is crazy. So then I started connecting the computer, and that started growing. And then that somehow merged over into learning audio, which connected with video, which connected with uh, graphic design and all of that stuff. And in the midst of that, I started relating with people. Now, did I have a calling to be a pastor? Yes. What did one thing have to do with the other? In my mind, absolutely nothing. But when people saw the level of passion that I had and the level of excellence, then people said, this guy isn't just a guy that has just regular old talent. This guy takes his stuff serious. So then people started seeing me as a leader. Now I found my purpose. Somehow I'm a leader. I don't know how I got here, but okay. I don't know how to preach yet. I can't lead people in my mind, but people start to follow me because of the passion. Then I preach and it's terrible, man. I go as soon as I'm done. I go and I lock myself in a room. I'm like, I want people to leave. This is embarrassing. I'm never going to preach again. This sucks. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling them not to ever put me to preach again. I get home like I never want to preach again. Well, 30 days later, I'm preaching again. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said yes. And here I am. Then you fast forward years. And now I'm here. But it started with passion. Have passion with one thing. Um, And this can also be tied in with the parable of the talents. You have one talent? Great. You have a talent. Multiply it. Don't hide it. Make sense? So be passionate with what you do. And what you do, be excellent in that. And you'll see how God begins to grow you. Now, as a pastor, I can see the areas that need to be worked on. I can do things with excellence because I know, hold on, something's not right. Hold on. And that's why I, in a sense, I'm, Eriberto, would you say, Ricky, would you guys say I'm picky or no? You're not going to hurt my feelings. You're not even on the worship team. (laughs) What, What would you guys say? And worship. Eriberto, you, oh, you've worked sure. with him. What? Oh, for sure. Okay. Eriberto, what would, what would you say? It's like, it's like you just don't want crap. Yeah. Literally. Why, why would you want to have something up there that sounds terrible? So when you produce, you're, you're going to reproduce what's in you. And for me, everything I've ever done for God has always been an excellence. So I require those that I worked with to also work with excellence. Make sense? So that's very important to keep in mind. And that'll put you exactly where God wants you. Because now I know that I'm not just going to go to a church and just be like, well, we'll see what comes to mind. I guess I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just preach this message and uh, we'll see what happens. No. God saw how I treated playing drums to every other instrument. And so he says, you know what? I can trust this guy because he gives me excellence. Make sense? So any other questions? Okay, great. Oh, you got one? Oh, yeah, no. Nah. Seem like you do. I, I just saw you from the corner of my eye. If you have a question, ask it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's pray real quick.